Lord, just give us the, the heart to, to receive your word. Give us the ears to hear, God, and the mind to understand, God. But above all, God, let everything that's been done in our lives and that's done tonight, let it be for your glory. Let it be that we, at the end of this night, we leave a little bit more in awe of you and a little bit more in love with you, or even better, a whole lot more in love with you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, and we thank you for what you're doing. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so just to be honest with you, when Pastor Lee said, hey, uh, can you preach? He said, do you have anything? I said, not particularly. Um, but i had been praying and um, just asking God, what do you want to do? And I've just been thinking about some things in my life. I didn't, didn't have any sermons together or anything like that per se. But just had been praying. And really, I've been praying about something that I heard Pastor Lee preach a couple weeks ago. And so I was thinking about that sermon over the last few weeks. And just some of the things that he said in this sermon really provoked me to certain thoughts. And I'll just remind you a little bit of what that sermon was. I think, I think it was two Sundays ago. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was two Sundays ago. No, it was like July 30th, so whatever that was. July 30th, um, he preached a message, and he preached a message on why, and why we do what we do and what we do. And he really just talked about, you know, we focus so much on like what we do, but he's like, we need to focus on why we do what we do in our lives. And he really challenged us, and he said the resurrection should shift and change the way we live our life. When we truly come to an understanding of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes the way we live, and particularly one of the ways that he pointed out that it changes the way we live is that it changes how we live for eternity. And when he was preaching that sermon, he was given that, and I know he's talked about that plenty of times in the past, it just really was sitting with me when I was thinking, man, life really to live for eternity. And the resurrection changes that. And it just kind of put me on that whole, that whole thought for the last few weeks. I've just been thinking about, do I live for eternity? Do I really live in light of eternity? Do I really live my life in such a way that I know that I'm going to one day pass from this life and do everything I can in this life and pass from this life on this side of earth and enter into a new, a new place with the Father and in a glorified body and to be with Him for all of eternity? And I really thought, do I really live for that world or do I live for this world? And so tonight, the word that's just been in my heart is kind of, I don't want to say a continuation, but just kind of jumping off of that, what the Lord just spoke to him, is a word just I've titled, Living in Light of Eternity, and, and, and just really stirred in my heart for this, that my desire tonight is for us to really see what does it look like to live in, in light of eternity? What, is, what does the Apostle Paul have to say about this when he speaks about things? Does he, he instructs us and gives us, hey, this is how you ought to live in, in, in the fact that we are to live for eternity. We're not to live for this world itself and this short time that we have on this earth, but we live for the, for the eternity and what's coming ahead in the next life because we're not citizens of this world, but we're citizens of the one to come. And so if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, I'm hoping tonight will not be particularly long. My brother-in-law's counting on it. Uh, right, Pat? <laughs> you can say yes. <laughs> he hates me right now. Um, I'm hoping it won't be particularly long, and I'm hoping it just be pretty simple. Just a simple passage, and just walking through this passage, um, and just kind of seeing how does Paul bring this about in this message, in, in, in the letter that he writes to Timothy. And so I understand that right now, what I just asked you to turn to is the very last chapter of the book of Timothy. And so Generally speaking, sometimes you can do that, but usually when you're jumping into a letter or an epistle, there's a lot of context to be had. And so I just want to give you a little bit of the background of understanding before I just start telling you, hey, this is what's going on in the very end of the book, but what has led up into this point in the book of Timothy? Why is Paul saying what he's saying? And for those who don't know much about the book of Timothy, it's really this, is that Paul's writing to Timothy, who's his son in the faith. 
One that he has invested his life in, he has discipled, he has raised up to become the pastor of this church in Ephesus. He's right now pastoring the church in Ephesus, and Paul is writing a letter to him, basically telling him, this is how the church ought to function. And he's basically saying, like, hey, what is it like, how should things be done in the household of God when the church is, what's, what's supposed to be done in the church? And when he's dealing with that, he gives a lot of instruction around what, what the qualifications of a pastor and certain things. But one of the things that he does is that he does have to deal with some issues that were taking place in Ephesus, um, where, where Timothy would be pastoring. And so he deals with some of the issues there. And some of the issues that he particularly deals with is the issues that there are people who've come in and they've really got caught up in pursuing wealth or materialism, or they've pursued fame. Some ministers, per se, have really pursued some idea of trying to get a following, and so they're trying to get people to follow after their teachings. And so he says, Timothy, you've got to correct those false teachers because they're really just after their own selves. They want to feed themselves and feed their glory. And essentially, he's really just pointing to them that, hey, these people in this area right now, they need to be corrected. But they really, what it really, if you could boil it all down, there's a bunch of different things he talks about, slander and quarreling, all of these sort of things. The big issue is that the people in Ephesus had lost sight of eternity. They got caught up in materialism because they were so caught up on the world now. They got caught, so caught up on the love of money that he has to warn them about in chapter 6 because they were so caught up in the world now. He had, to warn, he had to correct them about not building kingdoms, you could say, as pastors or whatever, and getting people to follow you and liking you because you were so caught up about your fame in this world and not what, you're gonna do, what God wants to do in the next how God wants to bless you in the next. And so these people, ultimately the big issue was is they had an issue of not living for eternity. And I think if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in the same spot without even recognizing or realizing it sometimes. And so what Paul does is he writes this letter to help Timothy correct the church, but ultimately to shift them and say, hey, get their eyes back on what it means to live in light of eternity. And so we're just going to read this few scriptures together, starting in verse 11. And the way we're going to do this, I just want to walk through it with you very simply and just talk through some of this. What we're going to bring out in this is Paul, what he does is he gives basically five or really four um, just statements that he says, this is what we should do. This is what you need to do. You're here, and this is what I'm asking you, Timothy, to do. And I know this is written to Timothy, but we could say it for our own lives today. It's still very applicable that, hey, if we want to live in, in light of eternity, if we want to live a life for eternity's sake and not just for the world here and now, these are the things that must begin in our life. And so starting in verse 11, Paul says this. He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And I just want to pause there and I want to point out two things. The first thing I just want to tell us tonight that you see that Paul is pointing to about living a life of in, in light of eternity is this, is that we must flee these things. In other words, Paul is saying that flee the things that pull our heart away from eternity. Flee the things that consume our heart to such a degree that we lose sight of the life to come. That we begin to pursue those things far more than anything else. And particularly, I kind of said this already, but just to say it again, these things that they were dealing with, many of them, is that they were dealing with materialism, love of money. In other words, building up a 401k. Not that that's a sinful thing, but that becoming the goal of their life. Or that are putting wealth or storage up in some sense. Those would become the pursuit of these people's lives. And so Paul has to tell them, this is how you should look at money. This is how you should look at things that your God gives you to advance his kingdom. 
And so there's the love of money. There's materialism. There's quarreling that's going on among the people. And he's like, look, you got to flee these quarreling things. Because when you get caught up in quarrels, what happens is you lose sight of eternity. And you get swelled up in these fights and these bickers and these divisions and these issues. And before long, you're just so caught up on what's happening right now. And it's all destruction. You lose sight of what is the next life. What does God want us to focus on in that sense? Pride, slander, all of these sort of things. Self-centeredness. These are the things that when he's saying, flee these. He's saying, man of God, Timothy, flee these things. He's telling them, depart from these things. These are the things that can swallow us up. And if we're not careful, they can quickly take away our sight of the life that's to come for us. Or Or should I say it like this? The life that we're supposed to be living for. Jesus makes it very clear that we don't live for our life in this earth, but we lose it in this earth to save it for the one to come. And if we're not careful, what we'll find ourselves is is being caught up in these sort of things that cause us to be completely distracted from what God wants us to be focusing on, and that's living a life for the kingdom of God that is for the next life, like Pastor Lee preached a few weeks ago. And so when you look at this, you see... You know, he makes this statement just straight up. And it reminded me of the scripture in Hebrews that we all know so well. But in Hebrews, this is what Paul would say at another time. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which easily entangles us. Very similar type language. He's telling Timothy, flee this stuff. And Paul's in another place saying like, hey, whatever is holding you back from running your race, let it go. And even when you look at the passage in, in, in Hebrews, he doesn't, he doesn't just, just say sin. He says things that are entangling you, are weighting you down. I don't say that to sit in here and say, okay, now everything you enjoy, you better let go of. Because there's things that we enjoy that God actually gives us desires and joyful things to participate in because he's going to use it as means to reach people or do things and reach the world in many ways that we don't understand. But the reality is this, what are the things in our life that are so consuming us that we are so concerned with that they're actually preventing us from focusing on what God wants us to focus on, the kingdom of God and the next life? And whatever that is for you, and the Holy Spirit knows, let him show you, do you need to flee those things? To what degree do you need to let things settle down in your life? I know in my own life, y'all, I've had to cut things out of my life. Not bad things. Or I've had to do less of those things. There was times in my life where I will be honest with you. I had to cut off some of the weight of some of the times. That, like you, most of you are like, you're crazy. But I love working out. Like I enjoy it thoroughly. It's a lot of fun to me. It's not grueling in any way. It's a lot of fun. But there was time where God had spoke to my life like there's too much of this. And it's causing you to be distracted from eternity. And I had to let go of some of that. My, my desire was some of my, the way I, I, I used to be about a sports fan. In certain ways, I had to let go of that. Some of my friends know very much about those things. And there's things in my life that I had to let, let the Holy Spirit put his thumb on and provoke and talk to me and say, will you flee some of those things? Will you let those things go? Because they're keeping you from, what I would, from seeking a life of living for eternity. Again, it's not necessarily that's just a bad thing. It's the fact that are we living for eternity or not? And so this is the first thing you see is that Paul's just bringing this out like, hey, let's flee things that pull our hearts away from eternity. The second thing, though, is what you see in the second half of that first verse. In verse 11, you see that he says flee, but he doesn't just say flee, right? He doesn't just say just flee and then stand still. He says flee and pursue or or flee and and follow, I think another translation might say. And so in other words, it's not that we just stop, but we actually turn another direction. 
And in particular, he tells us what we are to begin to pursue. So we let go of the things that distract us from eternity. And now he says, basically, this, pursue the things that keep your heart on eternity. And what are those things? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And if I can just be honest with you, when I read that list, I see all of those fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And, and, and I know that he is specifically talking about pursue the character of righteousness, a right living, a life of godliness that is honoring to God, a life of faith that learns the trust, a deep trust of God, a love and affection for God and for others, the ability of steadfastness to, to you know, bear with people or bear through hardships and trials, a gentleness to be kind with those who may irritate you. I understand he's seeking, this is what he says we're to pursue, but ultimately we pursue that in Christ. Because all of those things are found in Christ. And if we would pursue Christ, so we flee the things that keep our eyes off of eternity, and we pursue the things that help us keep our heart on eternity, which is Christ Jesus himself, these things begin to be produced in us. A life of righteousness, a life of godliness, a life of faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. And this is what he desires, and this is what he wants us to do. And so the beautiful thing is when we read that, sometimes you may say, man, I, I, I've tried. Like, I've tried to pursue God. I've tried to pursue these things you're telling me about. But the reality is that 2 Timothy says this, and I love this passage. 2 Timothy 1 says that we can live this type of life. We can live a life where we can flee the things that pull our hearts away from eternity, and we can now live a life that pursues the things that keep our heart on, on eternity because of this. Verse, uh, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has been granted to all of us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. In other words, we can actually pursue now this life by the grace of God, a life of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. We can replace the things that once we've followed after, and now we're called to flee with the things that God desires us to pursue that keep our heart on eternity because God's divine power is in us. Just, just, just pause at that verse for a moment. God's, his divine power. I think there's just somewhat of a misunderstanding sometimes. I've heard this, in my, and I've made this in my own life, where it's like, I can't do it. Tell me that word is not true then. You can because his power is in you. Not because you can, but the fact is that God's divine power has been granted to you and me to live out the life that God has called us to live. And either that scripture is true or not, but it's true. And no, we can now live a life that actually is pursuing the things of an eternal focused life. And not just a life that's so focused on the here and now because we've been given God's divine power. It's been granted to us. I love the word grant. It's like gifted to you. And it pertains to everything in this life that we're called to do. Everything. And so just simply put, these two things that you see Paul, he's calling Timothy, say flee, pursue, pursue these particular things, pursue Christ in a way, and he'll produce these things in you. But then he says in verse 12, another statement, he says, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and about, and, and about which you made the confession in the presence of many witnesses. And this, and right here, Paul makes another statement where he's saying, okay, I'm calling you to get your eyes to eternity, but this is how he's doing it, by fighting the good fight of faith. If we are not willing to fight the good fight of faith, we will quickly have our eyes on this world right now and everything in it. 
And when Paul's talking about fighting the good fight of faith, he's particularly talking, he's using the word fight as a picture for Timothy to understand in that day of, a, of athletic competition. That when athletes would strive to win a competition, they would have to fight for it. It wasn't a cakewalk, but they would fight for it. They would, they would toil for it. And in particular, not just any type of competition, but one that would require endurance. And what this speaks and what this declares to us is that we have to understand that God, that we, if we're going to keep our eyes on eternity, we're going to have to fight the good fight of faith, and it's going to require a life of endurance. It's, going to, it's not going to be an easy fight necessarily, but we are called to fight to maintain the faith that we have in God. And so it can be thought of it like this, is that whatever it is in our life that is destroying our faith, we must fight against those things. Whatever doubt, whatever fear, whatever hopelessness, whatever despair you have, fight against such things. Because those things are the things that can shipwreck one's faith. I've seen it throughout the scripture where Paul would say men's faith was shipwrecked. Whatever reason it might have been for their life, but their faith was shipwrecked. And he's saying, fight to hold on to faith. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. No matter what may come, no matter what despair, no trial, fight to hold on to faith. And here's the beauty of this scripture is that, yes, it is a command. Like, if you look at it, it's a command. But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus in, or Paul in Philippians 1.6 then really just says, yeah, it's a command for us to follow. But at the same time, He makes the statement, I am sure of this, that he who's begun a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're commanded to hold on, to fight for faith, to fight to continue to believe in God. Whatever hardship you may endure, but guess what? Even when you're failing to fight, Jesus will complete the work that he started in your life. Like, praise God that he holds when we don't hold. But we're called to fight. And I would say this, how do we fight? We can fight in so many different ways. We fight together. We stir each other's faith. We fight with each other, not with each other, but for each other in the sense to say, let's fight to hold on together. How many times can you remember when your faith was wavering and the body of Christ came to strengthen your heart and the faith of God in you and God did it through the body? It's always God, but God did it through the body. And he's calling, he says, this is what it is to be. For us to live a life that is full of faith. Paul even says in, his, in, the, in the last letter that he writes, he even says about his own personal life where he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul said, I won the competition. I held on to the very end. And this is what we're called to, y'all. I don't know what will come in this life for you, Or I don't know what will come in this life for any of us. None of us do. But we know this, that we are called to hold on. Whether cancer hits tomorrow, whether our houses burn down, or whether we lose, God forbid, family members, will we hold on to the faith of God? And the beautiful thing is this is really God's holding on to us. He's always holding on to us. But Paul could say he held on. He held on to the fight. He did not give up. He finished his race. And another place in Acts, he actually just talks about how his whole desire was just to finish the course that God had laid out for him. That was his desire. And I would just say to this, guys, if we're going to have live a life in light of eternity, to live for eternal things, we've got to have a life that understands we're fighting to maintain our faith every single day. Like, if we're just being honest, our faith is under attack every single day. There is not a day in this world that our faith is not under attack by the the, the enemy or the kingdom of darkness. 
We are in a world that is in opposition to faith. But we hold to that. And so I just say to you, stir up your faith. Build your faith. Y'all know the scriptures. I don't have to tell you that. How do you build your faith? Through the word of God, right? You, through the word of God, through hearing the word of God. We have to build our faith up to fight the good fight. We have to re- continue to dwell on the scriptures of God to strengthen our faith. And then the body of Christ can strengthen our faith. And so many different means of grace that God gives us for our faith to be strengthened. But we have a part to play in this. And so we just see very clearly that we are called to live a life where we're pursuing, where we're fleeing the things that are heart. We pull our heart away from eternity. We're pursuing the things that would keep our heart on focus on eternity. But we're also fighting the good fight of faith. And then the, the last thing I'd say is this. Well, not the last thing. I apologize. The other thing I'd say is this, is that he also says, not only we're to do this, but we're to take hold of the eternal life. In verse 12, he says this statement, fight the good fight of faith. Then he says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Let me just say this to you. To which you are called is, this, is, a, is a comfort to you is that God has called you to this. God has called you to himself. You belong to him. And he says, about which you made this good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And this most likely is probably Timothy's baptism where he was in the presence of many witnesses declaring, I have decided to follow Christ Jesus with my life now. But this is what he tells Timothy to do is take hold of the eternal life. In other words, take and make as much of this, as much as what God has offered you through Christ Jesus as you can. Jesus, the word says in John 10, 10, y'all know the scripture, Christ came to give life and life abundantly. He did not come so that we'd have a miserable existence. And that he came so that we could have abundant life. And the word abundant life, literally there, it does mean eternal life. And eternal life is not just this concept of it living forever, though that is an aspect of it. Eternal life is to have an abundant life now, a full life. Now, he says, Timothy, do everything you can to experience that abundant life that Jesus died to give you. You've decided to follow him. Do everything that you can by the grace of God to be able to live that way where you can experience the abundant life and that you don't have to walk around as a Christian in sorrow and pit and always woe is me mentality. I mean, literally, Paul of all people should be able to say, woe is me. But Paul would say like, hey, I experienced the abundant life of Christ. And so it's like we, we, we have a part to play in this, to take hold of the eternal life, to battle the, for, for the sake of experiencing the eternal life or the abundant life that Jesus has given us. And so it's that aspect currently and now, but it's also the picture that Paul's saying, battle, take hold, do whatever it takes that you may enter into the eternal life with God forever. Paul said this in, in Philippians. Uh, he says, you know, his life is to gain, is, everything is about gaining Christ for him. And in that particular in Corinthians, he talks a lot about the resurrection from the dead. And he talks a lot about him going to be with Christ. And essentially everything that he desired so much is that his whole purpose was to gain Christ. And the reason why he talks so much about the resurrection in, in Philippians chapter 3 is because all he desired was to get to that place. He knew the resurrection for him when he would attain to that. When he would get to that, that's when he had fully got to know Christ. There was no holding back in a sense. And he's almost saying to Timothy the same thing. Take hold that you make it. Take hold that you get to be, that you come and that you be with the eternal. You get to experience eternal life with Jesus Christ in this life now. But even more so that there's nothing hindering that whatsoever in the next life. Do whatever it takes, Timothy. Walk after that. Live a life for eternity's sake. 
The beautiful thing is that when you read this scripture and you see this, it's like, gosh, that's just really hard to do. How do you live such a life like that? How do you do that? And I love what Paul says in this, because I believe this is the secret of Paul's life to all of this. Because really, when you're reading this, he's giving a bunch of commands. Flee, pursue, take hold, fight the good fight. He's telling Timothy to do things. And I can tell you right now, there's many times in my life where I feel like I can't do any of that. But then again, for, 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 uh, 2 Peter 1.3 says things to me that says that God has given me his divine power to do such. But also Colossians 1.28 or 29, where Paul would say that he toiled in this life. But he says, I, this I toiled, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. In other words, Paul understood this, that if there's any capacity or any way to fight the good fight of faith, to take hold of the eternal life, to pursue the things that keep my heart on God, to pursue or to flee things that pull my heart away, it is this, is because God's power works within me to do so. It is God's energy inside of Paul and his power working within him that gives him the ability to do any of that. And, and, and so this should build a confidence in us that we have that. Paul's not some super Christian, the only one that's qualified for such thing. All of us have been given that work of God, that gift of God, his grace given to us to enable us to live out the Christian faith and to let the watching world see like, man, that is just a different life. Why do they live in such a way that isn't just for this world, but it's for the next? It's almost like live to be a blessing in this life for people, but you're really living for the next, you know? And then the, the, the last thing I'd say about what Paul does here is he picks up and he, and he kind of he gives all this like, hey, I'm trying to get Timothy focused. These people in, in Ephesus were so focused on things that were not eternal. But Timothy, you need to get your life and live your life in such a way for everything that's eternal. So flee those things, pursue this, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of, etern- of the eternal life. But this first and foremost, I'd say is the most important thing he says. Essentially what he does is he says, remember who it's all for and it's all about. That he, and and then remember that he is coming again. In verse 13, he says this, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from approach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is pulling his attention to say, Timothy, live this way. Do not live, stay unstained and free from reproach. But how? Because Christ is coming again. Until what? His appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. In other words, in the fact that Jesus is coming again, Timothy, live like all of this. Because Christ is coming again. In other words, because eternity. Because Jesus is going to come back and set up his kingdom from eternity. And then he continues on in verse 15 where he says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And Paul basically just says, Timothy, I'm telling you, stay focused on eternity. But remember, it's because of who Christ is. This is Christ. He is the king of kings. Whenever you have the temptation to get focused on the other world, this world that we live in now, the here and now, remember that Jesus is king of kings. Whenever you have the temptation to get so caught up in the world and, and everything about this world and the struggles of this world and all this, remember he's the Lord of lords. Remember that he's the blessed one. Remember that he is sovereign. He's in control. Remember he's the one who dwells in unapproachable life. And remember that he will have dominion forever. 
And that all honor will go to his name. And so it is simply this. He would say to Timothy, Timothy, stir yourself up to remember that Christ is why we live for eternity. We don't live for eternity ultimately for ourselves. We live for eternity because we want to enter the kingdom of God so that we can throw crowns at the feet of Jesus. And declare Jesus, I don't, and passionately said, he said, I have no idea what it's going to exactly look like, you know. Some are going to be rich in heaven, whatever, what is it, I don't even know if it means you're poor in heaven or whatever, but some are going to enter in, they're going to have crowns to give Jesus forever. And to throw them and cast them at Jesus' feet is what he's saying. Remember, all of this, to live for eternity is essentially to live for Jesus Christ. And he's coming. And don't forget it. And this is what he's stirring Timothy to this pursuit live for eternity. And the truth is, for, I say this, is that this is no you know, rocket science. It's no like, wow, crazy thing. I think many people in this life, it, it's very easy to get caught up not living for the world to come that God ultimately is going to bring to this earth when Jesus' kingdom is set up fully. It can be very easy to get caught up in this life. Um, and, and, and I know that's a trap for many, many people. But scripture is calling us to live for eternity. And so I just want to kind of illustrate that, how many of us fall into that trap. Me and my illustrations. Peely, can you throw me that? Patrick, you want to help me? Okay, I didn't think so. Here, Noah. So this is not original with me. Some of you young people might know this one. Noah, can you take that? And can you just start walking around the sanctuary? Go as far as you can get. So I want you to just, can y'all see this? What is this? It's a rope, okay? Yes. What else do I have here? What colors are these rope? This rope? White, okay? And what color is this? Everybody can see red, kind of? Pastor Lee, what color is this? <laughs> if you don't know, Pastor Lee's colorblind. All right, so this is what I want you to see. So this is, this is an illustration I saw in college that it forever stuck with me. You can keep going. Just figure it out somehow. And I want you to think about this. What I have in my hand, imagine if it's a timeline, all right, imagine if it's a timeline, and particularly it's a timeline of your life. And I want you to think about it this way. The white part of the rope that you see is eternity, and the red part of the rope is your life on earth. And here's the, the reason why it's such a beautiful illustration is because what it communicates to us is that most of us fall into the trap to live for this. We find ourselves, we can, like, we can hear a sermon all day about live for eternity and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to flee things and I'm going to pursue the things of God and I'm going to pursue Christ. And I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to take hold of eternal life. I'm going to remember Jesus coming back and who he is. We can hear those things. But even that, we sit back and we know the facts, but we'll find ourselves on Monday morning pursuing this once again. And, and when you think about this, people do this every single day, Christians and non-Christians alike. Every single day, it's like everything. It's, it's like they just look at this life and everything's about this life and wanting for this life. And, you know, it's like, oh, building this life and this year, building my, my mansions and my homes and everything to make, and, and to the expense that this doesn't even matter at all. And when you look at this, and it was way over there, when you look at this and you think about it, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. It's crazy to live for this when this is really your life. This is really your life, guys. And so I would just say this to us all, myself included. I'm guilty of this. Whatever is holding us back to be so focused on this, let go because this is what really matters. Like, let us, let us live a life that really is pursuing a life that is for eternity's sake. That when we enter into the next life, we will be able to say, for eternity, what mattered. I gave up so much in this life because this mattered to me. 
Pastor Lee preached a, long, a lot of messages on this one. He, I think it was uh, Luke chapter 14. He preached a lot about this. Was it Luke chapter 14? Not the one you've been preaching from? Luke chapter 14. Um, he'd been preaching on this so much about how when Jesus would look at his disciples and he'd say, you're going to give up houses and you're going to give up families and you're going to give up all of these sort of things for me and the gospel's sake, my sake, but you will be rewarded. And, so, and, and, and the truth is, to stop living for this part and to live for the rest of it, it, only, it all it requires is a life of faith. It really is. That is. That's what it is. It's a life of faith. It's a life of faith to say that I believe this is more real than even this today. This is, this is the greater reality. The life forever with Jesus. And so this is my heart's desire. And this is what I would just say to you tonight. Musicians, you can come up. It's simply this. Man, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know what you feel. I don't know if you're like, hey, I am just caught up in the red little part of this, this rope forever. And you're like God, and, and you're convicted, and you see areas of your life where, man, you're, you're unwilling to flee things right now that are, distri- that are keeping you focused on this. Or, or maybe there's areas of your life right now that are so consuming you, and they're so just, you're so broken, and you're so focused on it, that you've forgotten about all that God has for you in eternity, in the future, to be with him forever, and the blessings of that over and over again. I would just say to you tonight, the only thing, I'm not going to tell you to do something, I'm going to tell you this, what God wants to do in our life tonight is shift our mindset, that affects our heart. To live in a way to, to, that, affect, that shows us that our hearts are changed, where we say, eternity is in my life. there's a scripture, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, I think it's 3.10, it talks about eternities in every man, the heart of every man. And sometimes that eternity, like we know that there's a part of us that knows about eternity as humans because God created us that way, but we kind of lose sight of it. And I just say tonight, could we refocus our heart? Could we refocus our lives and say, let's live for for all, no, it's still going. Like, let's live for what is to come, guys. It will never end. Like, think about that. That, just, that rope's going to end. But our lives are trying to never end. So whatever, it, whatever God is asking of you, whatever it costs you, whatever you have to do to say, hey, for the rest of my life, I will struggle on this earth if I have to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow after Jesus daily, and it's a struggle for me, I'll do it because this is what matters. If I never, if I struggle with the same battles and sin for the rest of my life, and I don't understand why God lets me, I will struggle because he's worthy and I can't wait to be in eternity with him where I'll never struggle again. So church, if we could just, work, could we come and could we just stand and say, God, help my life tonight to be a life that lives for eternity. Help me in light of eternity. Let me live this way. And, and, and maybe, you need to let, maybe you need to flee some things in your life. Maybe, and don't just flee. Flee and pursue the other things. Pursue Christ. Maybe there's things you need to lay down at the altar, like specific things that are holding you back from focusing on eternity. Lay it down at the altar. Lay it at Jesus' feet and trust him to take it. And maybe you come in here and you're sitting, you're saying, man, I have been beaten by the storms of life. I have been beaten by despair, depression, hopelessness, hardship. Then simply this, I tell you, get up, fight the good fight of faith. Remember Jesus fights for you and he holds you and that he has given you the power to fight. He's given you the strength. And maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, I'm not experiencing a life of woe is me mentality. Take hold of the eternal life that Jesus died to give you, the abundant life of experiencing Jesus now. He's given you all of the power and the ability to experience him now. So let's just pray and ask God, like, Father God, I just pray right now in our own hearts. God, just 
Lord, I, we, can, we can't make ourselves live for eternity. We don't have the ability to do that, God. Like we are, we are so focused on the here and now. Lord, just like that song says, our hearts are so prone to wander. But God, I would ask you right now, God, that you would correct our hearts if our hearts have been wandering from the things that really matter. And I pray that you would help them focus on the things that do matter, an eternal life with you, the rewards that we will experience in heaven. And I pray that tonight, God, our hearts would be shifted in a way where we would have a different perspective and say, and I, when I get up on Thursday morning, and when I get up on Friday, I'm not living for this world, but I'm living for the world to come that will be fully established on this earth one day. And I want to live for that to the best of my ability now. By the grace of God, I will take hold, I will flee, I will pursue, I will, I will fight the good fight of faith, and I will remember Jesus. It's all for Jesus with my life. So, Lord, help us. Help us tonight, Jesus. Church, just cry out to him. Just make your prayers to him. Just honor him. Tell him you love him. Tell him to do this work in your heart because it can't be a work of the flesh. The life of eternity is a life of faith. It's not a life of flesh. Let the flesh get out of it. Let faith come in your heart tonight.